KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia, and I'm glad to be hanging out with you this weekend. Give me a call at 916-921-1530 or toll-free at 1-800-834-1530. And we'll talk about, well, there's so much to talk about. One of the things is uh, we've got Peter on the line from Davis, and he's been holding for a while to, to tell us a little bit about his experience with um, separating seniors. Is that right, oh. Peter? Hi, you know, so yeah, I did a story of just uh, a little while ago saying that um, for some seniors, it's been heartbreaking to be put in separate care homes. Yes, I had two, I'm actually reminded of another um, related, um, I'm not, not familiar, not experienced with dealing with separation and each party missing. In my dad's parents' case, my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and she would pick on her husband. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was good there to separate. Yeah. So it was more of a, like, abuse situation, although, of course, because she had Alzheimer's, she had no idea she was being abusive, yeah. Exactly. My mom's parents, on the other hand, were a prime case of, couple that loved each other, whereas my grandfather was an invalid at home. It was just because he died at home. And and he died when my grandmother, his wife, came down and said, I'm well. No, she wasn't. You can go. And he did. And she took his place downstairs. Oh, wow. And died at home. Okay. So I could... I found myself a bit puzzled by what you said, but I i guess it's like anything else where someone says, you know, we know we're doing what is good for you. Yeah, and it's different for everyone, right? Well, it, it ties into with your previous caller there who I heard talking about, you know, the children. How many times have we heard, quote-unquote, authorities, you know, say, well... We'll put the child back with the mother, or we'll put the child back with the father. Never mind that that particular parent was known to abuse in the past, but they say this is what's best, and then they regret it. Um, Thank you so much for calling, Peter. This is oh. a, an important angle on a story that you know shocked me when I when I read about it. But you're you're bringing up something that's so important, and I hadn't thought of. And I'm really grateful for your call. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for holding uh, so long so we can chat with you. My pleasure. But, Joey, I don't understand what you mean that I brought something. A new perspective. You brought a new perspective because the perspective I had was really about um, these heartbroken seniors who had been put in separate care homes, and you were able to provide a perspective about why sometimes that's a good idea. So thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Up next, we have Janice Davis. She goes by JD, and she's the program coordinator for a nonprofit here in Sacramento called Blessings in a Backpack. It's actually the local chapter of a national nonprofit. Hi, JD. Hi, Joey. Thanks so much for inviting Blessings in a Backpack on your program. I'm so happy to have you here. I had I had no idea this existed um, in Sacramento, and I was so touched to um, understand what what your nonprofit does. So it's, you want to tell us about that a little bit more? I sure will. Uh, basically, 
we are part of a national nonprofit that currently are feeding 90, over 90,000 kids across the United States on the weekends. So what we do each Friday is ensure our kids that are on our program receive a bag of food that goes home in their backpack on Fridays that will carry them through the weekends with five, six meals and a couple of snacks. So they're getting they're getting fed at school. And you're saying that they're getting fed at school, right? They get they're maybe part of a school meal program. So this way they they have something to eat on the weekends as well. You are correct. A lot of our schools are what are known as Title I schools, and the kids automatically receive breakfast and lunch Monday through Friday. Wonderful. And so I, you know, we don't think about food insecurity. Here it is. It's right before the 4th of July holiday. So many people are at Costco and they're stocking up, right? And we don't think about the people in our community, the children in our community that um, are struggling to have something nutritious and nourishing to eat. And, and, and sadly, that's very true. In Sacramento County alone, we're looking at approximately 24%. Wow. Uh, and these are figures from 2014 and 15. Sadly, it takes a bit of time to compile this um, data together for us. So we're working off our data is about two years old. But with the state of California at currently a 22% food insecurity rate, Sacramento County is a bit higher than that. Now, we do have some counties in Sacramento that consistently exceed that number, um, sadly. And, you know, some of the counties, Sierra County, Shasta County, Yuba County, uh, Lake County, are some of the counties where we have a, a bigger need for weekend food for the kids. Some of our counties consistently run lower. We've got the Napa counties, the Marin counties of the world that have a lot less of a need. So um, does Blessings in a Backpack go to a child's school or how does a child actually get this, um, get these groceries for the weekend? Our program works off of anonymity. So I don't know the kids that are on the program. We're feeding currently five um, elementary schools in Rancho uh, Cordova, and they give me the number of kids for their school that we need to feed there. Currently, we're feeding just a little under 250 kids each weekend. That's amazing. That's uh, that's amazing. That's a lot. How do you get your um, supplies of groceries that you give to the kids? Joey, we've really grown. We started feeding 30 kids from my living room in oh my 2014. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we shop at just about every store that ends in a co because we get some excellent deals there. Um, I have Cisco deliver some of our food, but we we buy all of our own food. So we're in charge of raising all of our own funds. We The way we get donations, I've learned to write grants. I'm not the best, but I've had some success. We have local businesses that help us. The state of California, uh, the OSI department, has done a food drive the last two holiday seasons that literally took my food bill down for each child to a third of what I would normally pay. And how many volunteers do you have with Blessings in a Backpack? Well, we we used to have a core of about 30, but I found that I wanted to involve more kids into our program because I truly believe kids helping kids creates more kindness. And in 
our environment, I think creating a bit more kindness is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, right? So uh, when you say kids, do you mean teenagers who are part of a community service? Each of our schools. Oh, wow. Each of our schools now pack the food bags to where I had volunteers that would come into Unity of Sacramento once a week and help us pack the food bags. Now those schools come to my food locker, pick up the food, and one of our schools has their special needs class that packs the food bags each week. Um, a couple of the schools have their uh, student councils. So it's up to the schools to create how they want to uh, work with the program. We make sure they get the food and then give them any tools they need. I go work with the kids um, probably once, two, three times a year, just so they know why they're doing what they're doing. That's wonderful. This is really sweet, J.D. I'm so grateful for the work you're doing in our community. How, if people are interested in volunteering or donating, how do they reach you? We have a website. It's www.bibbsacsac.org. And we do, uh, each June, we do a golf tournament. In October, we're doing an event that's called Rocktober in Rancho. We've got vendors coming out, so we're still looking for some vendors and sponsors for that event. It's going to be free to the public, but we've got a rock band coming to play, a classic car show, just a lot of things going on for that day. Sounds like fun. Well, uh, thank you so much. Once again, this is J.D. we've been talking with, and she is the program coordinator for Blessings in a Backpack, which makes sure that children in our community have food to eat, nutritious, nourishing food over the weekend um, that carries there, carries through. So during the week, they're fed at school, and on the weekends, they can still have something wonderful to eat. Thank you, J.D. And this is KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia, and I'll be back after this. I work with a guy who's always got his nose buried in his phone. He says that's how he gets his news. Really? News from Twitter and Facebook? I'll stick with KFBK. Thank you very much. For news without the noise, depend on News Radio KFBK 93.1 FM at 15:30 a.m. Tom, I love my guy, but there's no way he knows about the latest engagement ring styles. Well, Linda, send him to Shane Company. We have our own team of buyers that scout the newest trends. Keeping up with all those trends sounds tough. Shane Company doesn't just keep up. We set the trend. Mm. When we go to the international jewelry shows, top designers set aside their best designs for us. That means you get the next big looks that you'll love forever. But everyone is after the next big thing. Won't I still end up with the same ring as every other girl in Not when you buy from Shane Company or Shanko.com. Every time we see a concept we like, we design a whole collection of exclusive rings around that look. That's how we get the hottest styles, plus unique engagement rings no other jeweler has. We only make a few of each style and constantly create brand new designs. So it doesn't matter if my boyfriend and I pick a ring together, or he wants to surprise me. If it comes in a Shane Company box, I know it'll be unique. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company. This July 4th, we're lighting up the sky with explosive savings. This weekend through July 4th at Roseville Hyundai, Sacramento Hyundai, and Folsom Lake Hyundai. Lease a 2017 Hyundai Elantra for only $99 a month. New 2017 Hyundai Sonata for $129 a month. Or a 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe for just $179 a month. And every new Hyundai comes with America's best 100,000-mile warranty and Hyundai Assurance. Ask about our lifetime oil change program. Get more bang for your buck in your new 2017 Hyundai. Only $99 a month. Light it up in your new 2017 Hyundai Sonata, only $129 a month. Or blast off in your new 2017 
2019 Hyundai Santa Fe, just $179 a month. Three explosive offers at all three locations. This weekend only through the 4th at Roseville Hyundai, Sacramento Hyundai, and Folsom Lake Hyundai. On approved credit with Hyundai Finance, not all buyers will qualify. 36-month lease, 10,000 miles per year. No security deposit required. Over five at this price at each location. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Summer's here, and that means vacations, road trips, good times, and bad snacking. From greasy gas station chips to airport candy to whatever's on the plane for 12 bucks. Ouch. This summer, take NatureBox with you instead. NatureBox has over 80 sweet, savory, crispy, chewy, satisfying, surprising snacks under 200 calories per serving with no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. Asiago and cheddar cheese crisps with real cheeses. Whole wheat chocolate chip cookies. Big Island pineapple made with only one ingredient, pineapple. And we're always adding more. So before you hit the road, stop by naturebox.com. With over 80 snacks under 200 calories per serving, we'll make this summer more delicious no matter where you're going. Visit naturebox.com slash radio. And for a limited time, get a free box with four snacks. That's a $19 value for free. Visit naturebox.com slash radio for your free box with four snacks today. you care about most. More reporters on the scene covering more stories. News Radio KFBK. KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia and we are hanging out on this Saturday talking about whatever we feel like talking about. So give me a call at 916-921-1530 or toll free at 800-834-1530. Earlier in the show, we were talking about ice cream and um, boy, I am really crushing on some leather bees right now. I just love their pink peppermint. That made me think about toys and childhood. And have you heard that there's a new Ken doll and he has a man bun? Not kidding. Ken I can't even. My Ken doll when I was a kid um, was the army Ken doll where his hair wasn't. It was supposed to be blonde like a crew cut, but it actually came out sort of green. I don't know why. I remember trying to color it black with a marker, but that didn't work. Anyway, yes, the Internet blew up this week about this new Ken doll and and his man bun. And there are some really hilarious uh, tweets like this. The new man bun Ken doll comes with shirt, shoes, and keys to Barbie's car that he's driving until he gets back on his feet. (laughs) I think that's pretty good. And I love this one too. I don't even own the new man, but I'm sorry, I don't even own the new man bun Ken doll, but he's already mentioned CrossFit three times. Okay. Yep. It's happening. The other thing I find super crazy, I don't wonder what you think about this. People are getting social media prenups. I just... I I sort of think if you need a social media prenup, maybe something seriously wrong with uh, your relationship choice, but it's a thing. They're on the rise. I wonder if some relationship expert made this up as a way to get on television and then maybe attorneys jumped in thinking, hey, this could be a way to make a little extra money and craft some of these prenups. But here's what it is, okay? Couples are drawing up contracts about what they can and cannot post online. Most of the prenups are monetary, which means that somebody has to cough up as much as, wait for it, 
$50,000 if they, say, post unflattering pictures of their spouse. There's even bans on revenge porn and post-relationship social media. I just, I don't know, I just find this super crazy. So, some people are really fearful that their ex is going to post maybe some embarrassing beach body photo. Um, other people feel like not being able to post something is hurtful because it's like someone wants to keep you a secret. The whole thing just seems crazy, but the truth is, underneath this, at least statistically, 80% of divorce attorneys are now saying that discussion of social networking is common in divorce proceedings for a range of reasons, which means we'll probably hear a lot more about these prenups. So I don't know. I think it's a red flag. And I think if you have to, you have to create or sign or develop a prenup with someone, hmm, maybe it's wrong. Maybe that relationship really isn't working. The other thing I find really interesting is so many women say they can't find a guy that they're interested in or a guy to uh, sustain a relationship. And a new report says that there really is a man shortage. So women are not making this up. They're not just being petty or picky. There really are not enough men going around in the United States of America. So um, among, say, undergrads in colleges right now, 50% of women to 43% men among U.S. undergrads. A Facebook study said that most people, 25%, I guess, oh, not, not most people, but 25% met their significant others in college or grad school. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> you might meet someone, you might not, but the percentages are not great. One of the things that I find also interesting about this is it depends a lot on your job. If you're in careers like nursing, education, event planning, or PR, you may have a harder time meeting a guy on the job because the second place other than college that we tend to meet our loved ones is, uh, is on the job. But if you're in mechanical engineering, computer network administration, the military, or financial advising, you have a better chance of meeting a guy. So there you go. And if you're a religious person and you don't mind dating someone who's an atheist or agnostic, you have just widened your dating pool because um, most atheists and agnostics are male. So there you go. I, I find it interesting. We'll see what happens. One last thing. There are 33 eligible men for every 50 women. So 52% more, more guys. I'm, no, no, I got that wrong. More women than men. The, the uh, social media prenup that I was talking about just a moment ago, you know, one of the fears is, is that after the breakup, some unflattering photos will be posted. And a lot of these social media prenups talk about the uh, sort of not posting a bathing suit photo. And at the same time, an article came out in which men said that they don't really care how you look in a bathing suit. What they care about is whether you're, you're confident in your bathing suit. Like, are you confident in your body? And I thought that was so amazing because so many women get really hung up on thinking that they should look like someone other than themselves. 
Um, so confidence, body confidence is huge. And guys are say guys say that uh, they're also looking for someone who is kind and affirming. Okay, that makes sense. Thoughtful, trustworthy, a good conversationalist, and that they share a view of life, right? That you have the same perspective on what and how you want to live on the lifestyle and uh, what's ahead for you. So I think that's really powerful. What do you think? Give me a call, 916-921-1530 or toll free at 800-834-1530. Would you get a social media prenup? What would you put in it? What would you put in it? We were talking earlier with uh, one of the callers who said, gosh, you know, young people today, they don't have it so hard. What are they worried about? They need to kind of buck up and get a backbone. And uh, I was talking with Luis, our uh, uh, producer, and it was really interesting because he brought up a lot of things that I didn't mention because I was sort of surprised by the caller's res- response. I, I thought it was really interesting. It kind of wake me up a little bit. It is harder. And I just brought up, I, uh, you know, I was thinking mostly about homework and expectations but, um, you know, just the constant social media, right? And the fact that your teacher can email you any time of day and, uh, and a student might email a teacher any time of day. I don't know the intensity, the frustration, the um, expectations on a job. I think all of it's a lot harder. But I'll tell you one thing. There's a lot more homework. I don't remember doing very much homework at all when I was growing up. We had projects. But these days, kids sometimes have as much as four to eight hours of homework a night. And that's, hmm, if you ask me, that's pretty crazy. So they go to school, they have sports or maybe something in the arts, and they come home and they have all these hours of homework to study. Some of it's busy work. Some of it's important, but some of it's just busy work. So wondering what you think about all that. Once again, give me a call, 916-921-1530. 800-834-1530. I'm Joey Garcia, and this is KFBK Weekend Live. This town is a lonely town. Not the only town. KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia. Yeah, a lot of people feel lonely. People feel disconnected from each other. Um, I don't feel lonely when I listen to Sinatra, I have to say that. But uh, but we have to do more reaching out to one another and more noticing how people are feeling and um, be willing to to lift them, lift them up, right? So many of us value our religions, but when it's time to get inspired and live them out we we don't always do that as well as we could so ah, that's what i'm thinking about what are you thinking about give me a call 916-921-1530 or 800-834-1530 one of the things that really caught my attention are all these uh, these tweets that we're seeing from president trump mostly once again as a former teacher i find myself really concerned about how um our kids might be taking this in. It's it's not cool to to be putting people down in tweets. And what's really interesting to me is that the government definition of cyberbullying, right, is exactly what 
we find in President Trump's tweets. So no matter how you feel about our president, no matter where you stand politically, it's just not cool to uh, to support the unkindness that's going on. I think it's okay to say we disagree with someone and to do that strongly, but to do it with respect, right? To do it um, with clarity and logic, but to just put someone down, to attack their manhood, to attack their womanhood, to attack their intelligence is just not cool, right? It's not acceptable. And it feels like it's not what we as a country are really about. So I understand getting frustrated and sometimes things come out way too fast and that can happen to any one of us. We can say something that we regret, but we need to step up. We need to make sure that none of us catches that kind of behavior and begins to normalize it and let it be okay. We, we, we deserve to be kind to each other. We deserve to live that out. One other thing that I find interesting, and I'd love to hear your opinion about it, this call from the Trump administration's Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity, letters to all 50 states requesting data from the voting rolls, including the full names of registered voters, dates of birth, party registration, last four digits of the Social Security numbers, and voting history. Now, one thing about that is I've seen um, reported in some places that the entire Social Security number is being requested. But what I understand is, is that it's actually the last four digits. But how do you feel about that? I don't know about you, but the concern of just having our Social Security numbers all over the place or in more places with the amount of um, of cybersecurity issues that are happening worldwide it makes me a little uncomfortable. I, I I just don't know what that delivery system is going to be like. So I think we need some reassurance around the security of sending that information and who's going to have it and just a little more clarity because nobody wants to be the, the victim of um, any kind of data breach or dealing with um, any kind of cybersecurity crime, right? We don't want to deal with that. How many people are traveling this summer? I'm going to be traveling myself, hoping to get to a Brooklyn. I haven't been there for a couple of years, but um, I thought this was a really funny story. Amazing things found in lost luggage. So there's this place in Scottsboro, Alabama, and it is basically the land of lost luggage, the unclaimed baggage center. And they find the craziest stuff there in people's bags that, you know, the bags never got picked up or they were lost some way, waylaid along a traveler's uh, route. So here's one. This one was super crazy. A dried bullfrog purse, a real bullfrog that was dried out, right? Puffed up and made into a purse. I <laughs> It's pretty awful looking and I just, uh, no, I, I just, I feel sorry for the bullfrog, but it's also just not attractive. I would not use it. A completely packed and ready to go parachute, antelope horns, Venetian masks, you know, the masks from Venice that have the beautiful um, gold and the feathers and beautiful, right? Uh, so it's obviously somebody's Somebody's missing their uh, fabulous trinkets and souvenirs. 
Scottish kilts. Apparently, there's quite a collection of Scottish kilts. Maybe someone changed their mind and decided that they didn't really want to wear a skirt back home. I actually like Scottish kilts myself. I think they're pretty, um, well, you know, on guys, they're pretty sexy, I think, actually. And uh, a unicycle, a complete suit of armor. <laughs> that That's worth uh, worth claiming, I think. What else? Wooden cameras, a 1929 West Point uniform, a Victorian flirting fan, many, many surfboards, many, many Wayne Gretzky jerseys. <laughs> and this is super crazy, but a six foot tall paper mache Tinkerbell. That's it. <laughs> so... I'm Joey Garcia. This is KFBK Weekend Live. We'll be right back. Forecasts every 10 minutes on the KFBK Morning and Afternoon News. Want some whiskey in your water? Sugar in your tea? What's all these crazy questions they're asking me? This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on lights because I don't want to see. KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia. Really great tunes. <laughs> I love that one. It's kind of hard not. I just kind of want to listen to it and rock on. That's a fun one. So we've been talking about what's happening with our social security numbers. Are we going to turn them over? I bet California is going to say no. Are we going to turn them over to President Trump's Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. How do we feel about our social security numbers flying around? On one hand, you know, the government has them. On the other hand, some people are really worried about cybersecurity and um, all the problems that could occur if we have our social security numbers compromised. So I'm wondering how you feel about that. It's also, there's been an ongoing, gosh, what, attack on the media Right. And we have to trust our media. I think most people really, most people in the media and certainly here at KMBK are are people of integrity. That's been my experience. I was a journalist for many years and that's been my experience. But I think this story is about the future of journalism and it kind of spins my head around. I'm thinking, what? This is quite crazy. So we know that artificial intelligence is getting more and more sophisticated and artificial or AI-powered journalism is definitely becoming more sophisticated. There is a program called Heliograph, and this is how it works. An editor, a news editor, creates a kind of narrative template for a story, including key phrases that can um, account for a variety of potential outcomes, right? Then they hook Heliograph up to some kind of data source, like um, a data clearinghouse, like VoteSmart, for example. And the software will identify relevant data, matches it with the corresponding phrases in the template, merges them, and then publishes different versions of the story across different platforms. So I, I hate to think that reporters are going to be replaced because we need that sense of hmm, perspective that someone with extensive 
news experience has. But this is super interesting. It's I feel like I'm watching some kind of future movie, right? I mean, that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to come running through. And really, wow, what's happening next? Also, there's a new study about teens in the United States. One in five teens have a serious mental disorder. So differently, differences between personality disorders and mental disorders. We're talking here about a serious mental disorder, severe enough to impact their daily activities. And the prevalence of severe and emotional and behavior disorders is higher um, than, than before, right? And higher than other illnesses that we tend to see in childhood, like asthma or diabetes illnesses that get a lot more attention. So we, we know um, that much of our homeless population suffers from mental health issues, not all, but a good portion. It's, it's so interesting to me that we continue to call people homeless when that's, you know, yes, they may be living on the streets and in that way that they are, they are not roofed, there's not a roof, but isn't it truer to say um, are unhoused mental, mentally ill? Um, it seems more sensible to me that we focus on the mental illness issue because then we're going to get to the core of the problem and create change. The core of the problem is not always that people need a roof over their head. The core of the problem is they need intensive social services to be able to get back on track, get on their medication, get stabilized, and then get into housing, which creates more stability and allows them to have a different kind of life. That's really important. Anyway, back to the teens, you know, anxiety disorders like panic disorders and social phobia were the most common conditions. And next would be like ADD or ADHD, which some people still don't believe is true, right? They still think that that's made up. Um, We used to just call like, you know, kids that couldn't sit in their seat, just kids that needed exercise or outings. We were much more sophisticated about that now. And also mood disorders like major depressive order disorder. So if you see something happening to a kid, reach out. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Reach out. I want to tell a story about how I reached out. It wasn't to a kid, but um, I saw a man on his knees at the corner of 47th and J Streets, downtown Sacramento. The garbage bag hanging from his bike handles had split and spilt his belongings, his eyeglasses, some clothing, and all of the recyclables that he'd collected, spilled it all over the sidewalk. So he was gathering everything into his arms, overloading himself, and it would just spill back into, you know, into the sidewalk, onto the, onto the sidewalk. When I drove up or drove by, he was near tears. So I pulled over in the uh, post office parking lot and walked back to where he was and gave him a supersized reusable grocery bag that I keep in my car, but I rarely use it. I mean it for, I I carry it because I have a dog and it's like perfect for big, you know, cans of dog food. But, but I, anyways, I gave it to him and he just, um, he looked at me and he kept saying, you saw me. Thank you. You saw me. Thank you. You saw me. And it took me those three times of him saying it before I realized how many cars must have driven by and didn't see him. So it was really powerful to, uh, to notice how much it meant to him to be noticed. 
And I just did such a simple thing. I gave him something I wasn't even using. I didn't even need, but he was able to gather all of his belongings, those recyclables he'd been collecting, gather them together, put them on his bike handle and be on his way. And I didn't think much of it, but I posted it on Facebook and, and, and people have been so moved. And I, I just think again, you know, especially as we, as we move into a holiday weekend that for some people can be very challenging, the noise, the crime, we really take, take a moment and, and see each other. So it's been wonderful hanging out with you. I really had a good time to this afternoon. I almost said tonight, but this afternoon, KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia. Have a fabulous Saturday night. Get playful. And remember to look around and notice people and share your love. Out. KFBK Weekend Live. A lively conversation on the weekend with rotating hosts and constantly changing topics. Streaming now on Facebook Live. Look at the show on Facebook to watch along. Real time talk with this week's host, Joey Garcia, on News Radio KFBK. Hey, welcome to KFBK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia, your host this week, and I'm really excited to uh, share this next guest with you. So in 2009, a high school student in Silicon Valley in Palo Alto stepped in front of a train to commit suicide. A harrowing, horrible experience for everyone, obviously. But in six months, five more students, or five students total, I'm sorry, committed suicide. And our next guest, Lee Daniel Kravitz, had just moved to Palo Alto. He was a new father, and he's a journalist who wanted to understand what was causing these tragedies. The result of his investigation is his new book, Strange Contagion, Inside the Surprising Science of Infectious Behaviors and Viral Emotions and What They Tell Us About Ourselves. Lee, welcome to Camp BK Weekend Live. Oh, thank you so much uh, for having me on the show. And it's uh, great to be on the show with you. Thank you. You know, I couldn't put your book down. It was um, it was beautifully written, of course, but but the information was startling. So let's talk a little bit about this suicide cluster and and what you discovered, what what this uh, contagion is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you kind of mentioned in the intro, basically, um, I just moved to Silicon Valley. I just moved to Palo Alto. I'm a science writer. Um, I've written a couple of books. and um, But my wife um, had just gotten a job at Google. So that kind of brought us down there. We were just expecting our first child. And uh, right around that time, the first student from, from the school, the school is called Gunn High School, G-U-N-N, um, uh, died by suicide on the train tracks. And it was a little, it was startling because it never happened before. Not like this. And you know, uh, on paper, this uh, this boy had everything, you know, he had good grades, he had a lot of friends, had a pretty girlfriend, and he was well loved. Um, so it, it just seemed maybe no one quite knew what to what to think about it. And then, of course, three weeks later, it happened again. And then three weeks later, it happened again. And there were even some students who had who tried to do it and were pulled off at the last minute. Oh, my goodness. Hit them. So it kept on going. And, and frankly, over the next four years, there were in total nine who died. And, oh, um, my goodness. 
And so you know, here I am. I'm like, you know, I'm about to raise my, you know, my, my children in this town. And I'm, on some level, I have this sort of like magical thinking, like, is there something in the air that's causing this? I was like, no, 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 there's got to be more of an explanation. And the more I started digging into it, the more I found that, like, you know, it turns out that, you know, my, my background's in psychology. I have a master's in psychology. I'm a therapist um, as well. And I was like, you know, it's not just that the suicide is contagious, but there's something else. And it turns out that thoughts, behaviors, and emotions are highly, highly contagious. Um, so, like, right now, if I were to yawn into uh, my microphone, anybody who's listening <laughs> to this broadcast may actually yawn. And if anybody were in the room with me they, and I were smiling, they would maybe catch my smile. That goes for a lot of things also, all kinds of thoughts, behaviors, and emotions. And it turns out that in Silicon Valley, and in Palo Alto in particular, there was this kind of perfect storm, a very, very common contagious, you know, what are called social contagions that kind of came together in this constellation and started leading some kids to want to die by suicide. It was shocking to read. It's shocking to hear it. You know, um, I I was for many years a high school teacher and, uh, you know, went through the same sort of experience as a teacher. Another teacher had committed suicide on our campus. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what did we do? And this idea, you, you write in the book that social contagions afford people immense power over others. They do. And, and you know, for good and for ill, right? So, right. For, in for instance, like, okay, if I am an ambitious person, and ambition gets kind of a bad rap right these days, but ambition in, t in general can be really good. If I'm an ambitious person, it can lead other people who are around me to become ambitious also. Right, it's a motivator, right? It's a motivator. And even and here's the crazy thing. Even if we don't realize that the person next to us is really motivated or ambitious, we sort of pick this stuff up and we start acting and behaving and feeling and, and, uh, and thinking the same way. So this and, goes back uh, to like yeah. parents telling their kids, like who you hang around with matters and uh, it does kids rebel you against know, that idea, but it sounds like there's some value to it. Well, there is, but here's, here's the scary part. And this is what all the science shows. You can go to, you know, NYU has a lab devoted to, to studying this effect you can be hanging out with your group of friends and they can all be really, really, really happy people. But then two groups of friends over, there'll be um, one or two people that are kind of miserable. Even if we don't interact with them directly, we can catch whatever emotions they have. So it's almost like we can pick things up out of the corner of our eye or see people who are indirectly involved with that other group and we can start to pick up on that, too. So in some ways, we can't really even guard against this. This is why it's pretty scary. So it, it does matter who you hang out with, but it's a, it, it almost, you know, it, what's even scarier is that it doesn't really matter who you hang out with. So I, I uh, remember doing a story here on Camp BK a couple of weeks ago that uh, there was a new study that said, when we're tired, we only respond to the most, you know, visceral core emotions like fear. We'll pick those up really easily from other people. But when um, otherwise we don't we don't take in like the joy and the happiness. We don't experience those. We won't catch those kinds of feelings from other people. Well, you know, it depends on who you ask, because some studies will say that negative emotions are easier to catch than positive emotions. And then there's like a, you know, a researcher out of um, Wharton, her name is uh, Dr. Seagull Barsade, and she'll tell you that happy emotions are easier to catch and are basically heavier than negative emotions. Interesting. And 
So it, it's, it, I think the jury's still kind of out on that. But I, I will say that, you know, happiness, for instance, spreads really, really fast. And that a happy neighbor will increase my personal happiness without even re- realizing it by almost 35%. Um, And so it can cascade really, really fast. Um, But at the same time, there's this whole phenomenon like the rotten apple phenomenon. And it's true. You can actually have a a whole group of people that are really happy, great team players. And one person comes in and starts acting kind of like a curmudgeon. And without you even realizing it, it actually starts to, to trickle down really, really fast. So is that what happened in Palo Alto? You know, yes and no. I think there, there's so many different things at play. And I, I pick out uh, basically about seven or eight of them that were kind of like the primary kind of contagions that were going around. Um, you know, they include things like fear. You know, fear is really, really contagious and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I'm worried that I'm going to catch um, a suicide contagion, for instance, um, I might actually start to respond as though I'm depressed because, of course, I'm going to catch it. It's in the air. Um, so it's self-fulfilling. Hysteria is, a, um, is contagious. Work ethic. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about a little bit in Palo Alto. The work ethic um, in Palo Alto and Silicon Valley is sort of famous. I mean, the region is really famous for having this really strong work ethic. And in many respects, that's a great thing. It's why, it's why Silicon Valley is, um, you know, really good at what it does. It's innovative. It, it creates things that catch. That's amazing. One of the things that really struck me um, at the end of the book is that you said you, you found some, the answer, um, a common thread, and mm-hmm. that was our, our responsibility to one another as individual members of a collective, that we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves and each other. Yeah, so that was really it. I mean, I, I worked on this, this project um, to try to understand this for about six years. And in that time, there were nine, nine kids, I said, who, who died by suicide, eight of which died by suicide on the same length of track, right by the, the school. Um, and uh, the, so there are a few common denominators, but one of the things I kind of walked away with was this whole idea that if we can become aware of the social contagions around us, we can kind of monitor what's going on within us. But more importantly, we can all become what I call interrupters. We can actually watch out for one another and we can interrupt um, the flow, the pattern. And what I mean by that is, okay, if I'm a high school student walking down the hallway and I've just learned that, you know, this sense of, you know, this low feeling that I have or this sense of tightness in my chest is either depression or anxiety. um, When I run into somebody else who is not making eye contact with me or looks kind of sad or low or isn't sleeping, um, I can ask, how are you doing? And I can look for those signs. And as soon as I see those signs that something is wrong, I, as an interrupter, can say, you know what? I'm going to introduce you to my friend, the social worker over here, where I think you and I should talk. And that alone, that simple act, can stop kids from, uh, or anybody really, from, from self-harm. And, you know, I kind of propose in the book, and maybe a little bit of pie-in-the-sky thinking, but as interrupters, we can all be interrupters. And it doesn't just start, uh, start and stop with like the students in the school, the teachers, or the parents, but it's literally everyone in the community. It's baristas, it's Uber drivers, it's, you know, the guys who, uh, you know, sell you um, clothes at Macy's or whatever, you know, everybody needs to know the warning signs and everybody needs to know the resources um, 
And once that happens, we as a community can start to save more lives. And that's what it's really all about is being being here for each other. And it's the work of relationships. Relationships are at the core of all that that is good, right? That is so, right. Yeah. That's right. So Lee, again, yeah. the book is Strange Contagion, Inside the Surprising Science of Infectious Behaviors and Viral Emotions and What They Tell Us About Ourselves. Thank you. That is right. Thank you, you so much for, uh, it, for your time it's today. My pleasure. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, I really do hope people um, gain some insight into, into both the, the positive and the scary things that, that can happen with social contagion. So thank you so much for having me on I the show. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. I couldn't put it down. So thanks. This is Camp BK Weekend Live. I'm Joey Garcia. And we'll be right back. you and your family every day news radio kfbk kfbk weekend live i'm joey garcia and we're taking calls give us a call at 916-921-1530 or toll free at 800-834-1530 our last guest uh, lee daniel kravitz has a book out called a strange contagion. And the premise is that we unconsciously spread thoughts to each other and we can catch each other's thoughts and emotions. I found it really surprising. He's a science writer and um, there's a lot of amazing science behind his theory. We had a caller just a, a moment ago who didn't uh, wasn't able to stay on the line, but uh, he said, well, you can't blame people for um, what happens to you. And and, you know, I agree. We can't blame people. I don't that, I don't think that's, uh, at least I wouldn't say that's what Lee was doing uh, in his book. I think we are all responsible, but we're talking about teenagers, too, in this, um, you know, in this or that last segment. And I was a high school teacher. I could tell you in a classroom, you get you got 30 kids. And if one is a, in a funky mood, that if the teacher doesn't get that classroom management handled and get things moving and exciting and interesting, boy, that that bad mood can spread quickly. And if you have a big clan of kids just in your own family, you kind of know what I mean, how that can happen. But it's interesting, too, because there's a longtime theory about, um, well, what's called groupthink. You know, some people call it the hive mentality and um, how we do all affect each other. And I'm thinking also about Oh, people who who practice what's called energy medicine and oh, hands-on healing, it's used to be called, um, you know, even sacramentally, uh, the uh, uh, laying on of hands. So these are all related to how our energy affects other people's energy and the, the power of prayer as energy. I find it all very interesting. But whatever we can do, or at least for me, whatever I can do to alleviate the suffering of a young person, I'm willing to try and I'm willing to learn more about it in order to create change and see something positive because it is not easy being a teenager. It, it never was, but it's, it's so much harder today. So much is coming at them and they're so, the expectations are so high. The pressure is so intense that if we as adults can be better listeners pay more attention, be more understanding, um, just be present to them. 
And uh, if we can save one more life of one teenager, it is worth it. It is worth it. So we're not talking about the blame game. We're definitely talking about learning what we can learn to to transform um, reality for, for teenagers. The other thing that is in that book that I found really interesting, it, he kind of touched on when we spoke just a moment ago, but he, in the book, he writes that happiness connects people by up to three degrees of separation. So, you know, a sad acquaintance doubles our chances of becoming unhappy ourselves. And I think that um, I want to be more watchful of the energy I'm carrying into the world myself. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I'd love to hear. So uh, give me a call, 916-921-1530 or 800-834-1530. And tell me about your experiences with catching emotions, right? So speaking of catching emotions, you know, the Guardian newspaper um, in the UK did a story that really shocked me. And uh, the headline was, why do we let our elderly die of broken hearts? Wow. So the thing is that social services seem to put um, lifelong couples into different care homes, even though that that separation can um, prove Fatal, they say. In other words, people really can die from a broken heart. They they miss their spouse, understandably so. Someone they've been married to for what forty, fifty years. Uh, so to be in a separate care home from their spouse, from their loved ones, is just too much, and it contributes to loneliness, depression, and then that sense of like, you know, why keep going? Why live? So let's all. Um, Let's all try to alleviate each other's loneliness by just being more available, being kinder, and being more willing to be good friends to ourselves. Because I think what happens to a lot of people is they show up in other people's lives wanting to be entertained, wanting to be listened to, but they're not necessarily listening to themselves. So we have to be good friends to ourselves first before we can um, expect other people to be good friends to us. And one way to be a good friend to ourselves is just to be conscious of the things we like and to enjoy those things to make sure they're in our days whether it's a walk along the gorgeous sacramento river or american river you know listening to music we like with our headphones so we're not disturbing others or uh, any other just sweet thing that we can do so anyway that's what i think (laughs) i'd like to hear what you think we're uh we're really Gosh, we have so much work to do. I think that's what it is that's coming to me. Because so many people tell me um, in my Ask Joey column in the Sacramento News and Review how lonely they are. So if we can do more to enrich each other's lives and um, be better friends, I think that would be a really sweet thing to do. By the way, ladies, you know what? There really is a man shortage. You know, a lot of women complain. It's true. There's a man shortage. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to tell you about that. That's coming up. And... I'll tell you why you haven't been able to find someone. Yep, there's a man shortage. And also, people are getting social media prenups. Is that a good idea? Is that a crazy idea? I'll talk to you more about that when we come back after news, which is coming up next. KFBK Weekend Live with Joey Garcia. Oh, I love that. (laughs) 
the lowdown boss gags i once went to a boss gags concert three day three nights in a row <laughs> i couldn't get enough so uh i have a wonderful guest um coming up now amy edinger is the author of sweet spot the subtitle of this book you've got to hear this an ice cream binge across america and i <laughs> I want I was reading this book. I wanted to run out and get a bunch of tubs of ice cream and taste test along the way because uh, it's incredible. Amy, welcome to KFBK Weekend Live. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here with us. And this book is so much fun. I was joking on Facebook that it's going to inspire pilgrimages across the United States. People just eating ice cream. (laughs) I hope so. Talking about it with a lot of different folks has made me want to go back on the road. (laughs) I'm missing my binge. So I I hope it inspires people to get out and travel and see some parts of the country they haven't seen before and taste some delicious treats. Well, I um, was caught, you know, right on the first page where you said you keep between 15 and $30 worth of ice cream in your freezer. And I thought, what? (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) You never know when you're going to run out. I have a young daughter that her friends come over. I have this kind of a fear of, of running out. So I, I do tend to keep a lot in the in the freezer. And then um, the, the frozen peas and the frozen vegetables kind of get shoved aside or sometimes thrown out if there isn't enough space. Well, and you, you know, one of the things that really struck me was that you said that customers opening and closing freezer doors in grocery stores actually um, has a negative impact on the ice cream. And I never thought of that before. Yeah, you know, you think about it. I, I sometimes have a hard time deciding what I want to get. So, you know, I open the, the freezer door, I grab something and I think, oh, no, maybe there's something better in there. And I put it back and I open it again. There's something in the industry called freezer abuse. And that is what, what, <laughs> wow. what that is what that's what we're inflicting on those core pints of ice cream. Um, it's just you know you're you're heating it up when you open up those doors, and then um, so yeah, it's 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 not a good thing to do. The, the the only thing I think that is worse, and my husband is very guilty of this, is microwaving those pints of ice cream. You yeah. know, when you take them out of your home freezer. Okay, I do that. Want no, <laughs> I do that. I don't have the patience to let it thaw on the counter. Oh, I know. Oh, uh, I, know. I, I won't ever do it again. But after, you know, I used to always do that. I read your book and I thought, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's better just to wait. I know it's really hard to wait. And I sometimes kind of like pick away. At the, you know, I'm just almost like hacking away at the ice cream to, to make it more scoopable. But it's better just to wait, walk walk away for a little bit. It'll it'll heat up and you'll be able to scoop it. And it's, it's much better than the microwave. And I was shocked to discover that Penn State has an ice cream making class. And I loved the chapter on this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it has a famous school. It's been around for at least 150 years. And all the big time names in ice cream um, in this country have gone there. That's where folks go to learn the tricks of the trade. When I went through a um, vegetarian vegan stage, um, Mm -hmm. I would freeze bananas and then put them through my juicer. (laughs) That was my Mm. idea of ice cream. And it was delicious, but it's still, you know, it still seems odd. (laughs) 
I know people are, you know, who are lactose intolerant and they really appreciate that they're alternative, you know, ice creams. They're not really ice creams. In this country, there's a federal standard for ice cream. So it really has to have dairy in it to be called ice cream, but you can call it gelato or you can call it, you know, a frozen dessert. And I know folks who make it out of cashews and, and different kinds of nuts. But um, I, I do really have a preference for for ice cream that's, you know, made with, with milk and cream. <laughs> the more cream, the better. <laughs> and would you tell the listeners a little bit about the idea of this ice cream base? That really surprised me. Yes, I think that's a shock to a lot of people. It was a little bit of a heartbreak moment for me when I was sitting down with my uh, with a man who makes um, some of the best ice cream, my favorite ice cream in Santa Cruz. And he explained to me that he cannot make his own ice cream base, that there are very, very strict pasteurization laws in this country, which means that he and most places in America need to buy prepackaged base. And when I say base, I mean the milk, cream, sugar, eggs that makes up the, the main part of the ice cream. He He's very unique with his flavorings, and I think that's where a lot of creativity comes into play where these artisanal ice cream makers are able to, you know, put different things in the ice cream. But that main component, the base, is in most cases prepackaged. Even if a, if a place advertises itself as artisanal or homemade, it just is so difficult for them to get a pasteurizer. It's really expensive and it's really hard to get the permits in order to have it in their ice cream shop. Yeah, I was surprised. I just always assumed that, you know, making ice cream was from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, that's how we make it at home, right? Right. Yeah, I don't. But, you know, know, thank you so much. And I'm not I'm being a little sarcastic there. Thank you for putting recipes in here, because now I have to go buy an ice cream maker. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I, I feel like the recipes in here, they came from my education at Penn State. Yeah, they're delicious. They sound delicious. Yeah, one of the frustrations that I had when I started making ice cream is, you know, I had an, I got an ice cream maker for my wedding, and I've always since then, you know, experimented with different recipes, and some of them turn out delicious when they're fresh from the ice cream maker. You know, you serve them to your friends, and they're really impressed. But then you put them in your freezer overnight, and the ice cream just turns into this really horrible block of ice. It's just it doesn't re- it represent that scoopable ice cream that we all know and love. So the recipes that I had in, have in here really tap into that Penn State knowledge. And I have tricks and tips so that when you make your delicious ice cream and you put it in the freezer, it'll stay the way it's supposed to be for the next couple days or the next week or so. And you can scoop it and serve it to your friends and family and enjoy. Fabulous. It just is so good. And one of the things I really also loved in your book is um, just these ice cream makers who want nothing more than to return all of us to our childhood of joy Mm -hmm. of ice cream. And, and that look, I think one of them says that look of being two years old again. Oh, my gosh, what a (laughs) like, what a sweet gift that is. Yes, I mean, I think that I, I talked to folks who've been making ice cream for, you know, 50 years. It's part of their family, you know, that they've inherited their shops from their, their dads or their grandpas. And they could choose other careers, but then they'd be giving up a family legacy. And, they, you know, one place in particular, a custard shop in Milwaukee, I talked 
to the father and the son together. And the son, Willie, had, had tried to go out and and get a job sort of in the a nine to five office job. And he said, it was so boring. I just would stare at the clock and, you know, the, t- the, the minutes weren't going by very quickly. We all know so that he feeling. Decided, yeah. yeah. He, he decided, I'm going to just go into the family business and make ice cream for people. That's and sweet. the time moves quickly and he's bringing a smile on people's faces. And it's, it's harder work in many ways. Like it's actual physical labor of carrying bags of sugar and, working really long hours and not having the kind of vacation time that you have when you have an office job. But the payoff is, is something very different. It's something that you can't really put a price tag on. So here in Sacramento, we have Leatherbees, and that is just mm-hmm. one of you know. I don't know if you if you managed to come up here to try Leatherbees, but um, I I did get okay. to have it. It was fantastic. I love it. And one of the things they have is uh, this um, pink peppermint. You know, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing that you did mention in the book is Byright Creamery, their salted caramel. Now, I love their Dainty Gentleman. The, the, um, it's a lavender ice cream with hot fudge sauce, sea salt, and um, if I remember, it's blood orange olive oil, and it's fantastic. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, one, of my, one of my favorite finds about the Byright Creamery while I was researching this book is I discovered, I, w- I went out to West Petaluma where... There's a man who has a buffalo, a water buffalo farm, and oh, he's wow. milking water buffalo. And his water buffalo milk is supplying the base for the soft serve at the Byright. So there's there's a, a little shop that's right next to the Byright in San Francisco that has soft serve. And so if you're ever curious about what water buffalo milk ice cream might taste like, I would go to the shop and, and give it a try. They don't really advertise that the, it's coming from water buffalo. They just call it, you know, the double eight dairy. But if you are adventurous and you want to give it a try, I, I highly recommend it. I will definitely try that. Amy, it has been such a delight talking with you. The book is Sweet Spot, an ice cream binge across America. And I think we're all going to be following you and, and checking out whether there's going to be sweet spot tours with Amy or <laughs> pilgrimages to these uh, fantastic places across the United States. We, we must make incredible ice cream. So thank you so much. Great to chat. Thank you. Bye-bye. And this is KFBK Weekend Live. That was so much fun. I'm ready for ice cream. I don't know if you are, but uh, I'll be back right after this. We're going to talk about um, why separating seniors might be a good thing and a few other things that our callers want to chat about. I'm Joey Garcia. News Radio KFBK, 93.1 FM, 1530 AM. FBK Weekend Live with Joey Garcia, that's me, and I'm really glad to be here with you. We've got some callers who are ready to talk about, well, why kids are having such a hard time. Kevin in Sacramento. Hey, Joey, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks for waiting. I'm glad to have a chance to talk with you. So I'm what's the your... one that called in earlier, too. I'll get to that after I talk to you about this. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I, I keep hearing this that the kids now, the high school kids or what have you, yeah, have it so much harder than what we had. I'm 57. Yeah, so we're I have three yeah. kids from 22 to 34. 
You know what, Kevin? It is so hard to believe that that's true, but I and I, I I'm with you. They're I wouldn't have believed they, it. They've been given everything they want. Most of them. You know, it is harder. Um, since I was a teacher, is easier than ours was. It's hard. School is much harder. Okay. It really is. I mean, I I agree. I would agree with you completely. Had I not been a high school teacher, I'm serious. Um, I was shocked how much more pressure is on kids. Yeah, but is it because of the schooling, or is it because of the internet? You know, um, I think everything's a factor. But I, I, and you know, you might have a different idea, and I want to hear your your thoughts. But well, I do, and that's why I called in earlier. I wanted to talk to that uh, psychologist. Okay, so yeah. one of the things. Let me finish that thought, Kevin. So here's the oh, thing. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, it's the pressure. Okay, so the pressure on kids, um, the expectations of success are far more intense than ever before. I, I I just don't understand that. How do you mean? From who? Not from their parents. Yeah, from the parents, from society, from teachers. It's it's quite different. Um, I, I want to get to your other thought, though, because we have just about a minute before we're going to take okay, a break. So. No, what I say uh, when you say nobody's to be blamed, but I see so many of these kids, and I, and I hate to see it, that you know, commit suicide and stuff. But it's they blame it on from something on the internet. Yeah, sometimes I think the kids they get toughened up. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of factors, and yes, maybe people are sensitive. I mean, uh, but you know, it is it is really challenging if you can sit down and open your heart and really think about what's coming at kids these days. Wow, it is it is really different. And I'm so glad you called, Kevin. Uh, we have more callers. We're going to get to that in just a moment. So hold on. We want to hear you. But we're going to take another break. I'm Joey Garcia, and this is KFBK Weekend Live.